0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. We always appreciate it. I don't like to leave you all on the weekend, so we put together this special podcast for you to enjoy on your weekend. You can hear these interviews you're about to hear live during the week on my radio show. If you want to find out where you can listen, go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder, But before we get to our first one, let me get to one of our sponsors. We always appreciate your patience. They love to talk to you. So thank you. We appreciate it. The last time we went through a recession, several blue chip stocks nearly went to zero. Washington Mutual, Lehman Brothers, Chrysler crashed almost overnight. Could that happen again? And if it did, are your savings protected? Mine are because I protected them with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been your best hedge against inflation, which is rising like a hockey stick as we speak. The savviest Americans diversify their savings to protect them from downturns in the market, from global instability, and from a falling dollar. Do you? Birch Gold Group helps you hold gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. In fact, if you have a 401k or IRA that's underperforming, just text BONGINO, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, to 989898, and you can convert that into an IRA in precious metals right now. Text BONGINO to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Hedge against inflation, protect your hard-earned money, get your free info kit by texting BONGINO to 989898. Do it today. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Message and data rates apply. First up today, we talked with Leo Terrell, one of our most popular guests, about how the FBI violated just basic legal norms and hundreds of years of precedent in the Trump raid. He breaks down how the legal system is being used against Trump welcoming back to the show uh, a fan favorite guest and a personal favorite guest a man who's become a good friend and a loyal fighter for liberty and freedom civil rights attorney former school teacher and a great american our good friend leo throughout leo thanks for joining us
2: uh dan thanks for having me and before i say anything i want to wish you and paula happy 19th wedding anniversary oh thank you buddy you
1: listen you're, you, you know you're a I good listen. man you got it you got a good heart brother i'm telling you man you really thank you for saying that it's going to mean a lot to her too so uh thank you you, you really do listen to the show you heard that before huh?
2: i heard it and I, again two great people 19 more
1: Oh, thank you, buddy. We hope so. So, Leo, uh, you know, you, you, unlike a lot of commentators out there in the media, have actually fought for civil rights. You are a civil rights attorney. So this Mar-a-Lago case has to particularly sting you. Um, we're now hearing, it uh, came out uh, today, that there may have been some attorney-client privilege documents in this taking, along with his passport. Um, this is kind of a, f- I mean, not kind of, it's a fundamental right in the United States, a right to an attorney. I mean, well-documented. Supreme Court and prior precedent, Um, this is the kind of thing you would think in a raid on the former president's house. You would be extra careful in advance to not take this stuff if you were looking to be extra careful, which it appears they weren't. This appears to have been some kind of general warrant de facto wise.
2: I agree with you, Dan. Let me just tell you this. You know, i practice practiced civil rights law for 30 years, and when it comes to search warrants, I take second to no one. Just like you're an expert as far as police and secret service, this is my area of expertise. And I'm telling you right now, if you look at this, and this is what drives me nuts about these commentators who claim to be lawyers, you cannot look at this as a criminal search warrant. This is all political. It is pure political. And these analyses that I see on TV drives me nuts. You're talking about awards to the president of the United States, former president of the United States. Where is the evidence? There's a statement, Dan, that's called assumption of evidence. Where is the, the evidence that the documents there were not were classified? Where's I want to yeah. talk to that magistrate. I want to ask him. Did you ask any of these questions? Did you ask the investigating agent who submitted this declaration? I want to see your notes. Did you ask the probing question how do you know these documents are classified where's the foundational evidence they didn't do it and they don't they just skip past that you asked the question I asked the question here's a man who has the who has the ultimate affirmative defense he has the power to declassify where was the analysis saying hey well, well we checked this out we made sure this happened none of it. And all the all these all these commentators, these lawyers, they just assume that they're classified. Show me the evidence.
1: Yeah, and that's you, you're not in the assumption space, Leo. Being a lawyer, uh, yeah. courts are not about assumptions; they're about documented facts and data points. We're talking to Leo Terrell, by the way. We're on KABC right now. Leo has an amazing radio show on KABC. You can listen at their website as well to Leo's show, and please do. Uh, We, you know, we love him out there. But, Leo, that that, again, we're not in the assumption space. And the problem I have with this case, along with a a multitude of other things, is the ultimate declassification authority is the president of the United States. So this is a hard enough case to make against the Hillary Clinton. Right. I mean, it is difficult, even though we know she had classified documents, because you have to prove some kind of intent. Right. Not only would you have to prove intent here that he intended to to, uh, you know, squirrel away these documents in violation of the law. Law, but you have this unique problem with Donald Trump in that he was the president, and he is the one person who can declassify this, which creates an enormous obstacle to this case.
2: Dan, you're you're, you're a lawyer. I, you you just graduated because you're absolutely <laughs> Honorable, correct. Honorable here, right. here, here's the analysis: the man he has the greatest affirmative defense. He has the ability, the power. Unlike Hillary, who didn't have the ability the power to declassify. She, and let me make sure this is, is, is so important. Uh, if there's not a, this, this double standard argument that I've been hearing, and I, I know you've addressed it. There is no double standard. This is about power and control by the Democratic left, who are, who's after Donald Trump for one reason. They insult the intelligence of the American public. They don't want him on the ballot because they are afraid, Dan, that we might elect him. So they're going to say, we're going to take that right away from you. This is You know what? The rule of law. The most sacred aspect of any civilized country is at issue here because the left, those those in the office right now, they ignore the rule of law. This is critical. And I'll tell you right now, kudos to that that judge who appointed a special master because now there's a check on all those documents that are in the possession of the Department of Justice and the FBI, why they want to keep them and keep those documents, because they're looking for something else, Dan. There's no issue about the president uh, trading away or giving away secrets. This is a ruse to keep him off the ballot.
1: Yeah, and and Leo, you know, you've been following the the, the uh, President Trump for you know five six years now. You know, the media and the, uh, the 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 deep state, which is real, has a long history of leaking any perceived negative information, true or false, about Donald Trump. Uh, you know, listen, I. I, I I believe in facts. And and, uh, yes, it is a fact that I don't know what's underneath the redactions. That's a fact. I don't know. I haven't seen them. I'm not in the FBI. Is there a small possibility there's something in there that's, you know, pulverizing or damaging? As Kevin Brock, the former assistant director of the FBI, or one of them said, yeah, of course, there's a possibility. But based on a prior pattern of behavior, which matters both in court and in real life, Uh, You're trying to tell me that they leaked a bunch of lies about pee-pee tapes and all kinds of other nonsense, and they have something underneath those redactions, and somehow they're keeping it private for the first time ever to, what, preserve (laughs) Donald Trump's reputation? I mean, Leo, come on, man. It doesn't, doesn't, you know, it just doesn't fly.
2: Let me ride the train on this one. There's there's no question about it. They got nothing, Dan. They got nothing. Because you know what? If they did, they would put it out there 24-7 on those far-left networks and publications to destroy him, to, to raise doubt. They got nothing. This is a this is the typical analysis. We're keeping this classified, and we're redacting because we want to protect <laughs> right. it. That, that is just typical boilerplate language used in every search warrant. Boilerplate. I want people to understand that. They say it on all search warrants. This case is so unique. They don't have a framework for this, but they're using the border plate language to justify their con They got no evidence on him. They got nothing. This is to stop him from running for office.
1: We're talking to Leo Terrell.
2: I wish these other lawyers just tell the truth instead of stop playing this game. Stop protecting the legal industry. So it's not the law that's being attacked here. This is all political
1: yeah amen brother we're looking at leo terrell leo has his own show on KABC. check him out on their website uh you really like it i promise you leo you're a, a you're you're kind of the perfect person here to comment on this specific specific question because you've seen the left and you've seen the right um you you know you, you were a civil rights attorney you, you were not a particularly hyper-partisan guy but you you know you've seen both sides of the aisle and i I think you'd agree with me that if someone came to you and said, Leo, listen, we're going to let you in on a little secret. You can't tell anyone, but the Trump Justice Department, say Trump gets elected again in 2024, they don't really have a lot, but they're going to go after Antifa. They don't think there's a crime committed, but you know we don't like what they're up to, and I don't. I don't like their tactics. I think that's fairly obvious, but we don't really have a criminal case. It doesn't really meet an evidentiary standard, but we're going to crack down on them anyway, and we're going to go serve a bunch of search warrants. Uh, knowing you being a civil rights attorney, you'd be like, nah, that's really a stupid idea in addition to an immoral and unethical one um, even if you don't agree with their politics. See, that's because we have standards but when it comes to the left, this is my proof that this is not about standards and hypocrisy it's about hierarchy. When you confront them and you say things like well, what if the roles were reversed? They, they have no answer, like Rob Reiner in that Bill Maher cut this weekend when he's confronted about the Hunter Biden case. He just, he just tries to justify it, which says to me they're authoritarians in a hierarchy. They don't care about hypocrisy. It's a hierarchy. They'll justify it any way they can, even doing verbal judo to do so.
2: You're spot on. They, all they care about is power and control. They don't care about rules. They don't care about fairness. They accuse them of double hypocrisy. You're, saying you're crazy. No, we don't even care about rules. We don't even care about hypocrisy. They care about power, Dan, and they'll do yeah. anything, anything. That's why if you're a conservative, you believe in principles, you believe in the Constitution. The left don't. They don't care about the law. They just <laughs> want power, and they will do anything and everything, Dan to maintain it and control it and you know what the biggest fear they have a guy named donald trump they are afraid of him and they are obsessed with him and if they had anything anything of substance this search warrant was three weeks ago show it they don't have it i want to be clear about that they don't have anything at all yeah yeah
1: you're right we're talking to leo terrell leo uh, last question i'll let you go we always appreciate uh you on the show here You know, you're a lawyer. You've dealt with this a lot. You know, my experience on the agent investigative side and with the NYPD both is in a case that's high profile like this, not all the time. I don't want to sound in any way dispositive, but the the overwhelming majority of time, a high profile case, which nobody doubts this is, you would typically serve an arrest warrant, and a search warrant at the same time. They tell to me about this case that they had nothing, which is what you just said. And that's would segue to this was the fact that they served the search warrant. When you're serving just a search warrant, a high-profile case like this, it says to me you're on a fishing expedition because you don't have anything. Typically, in a high-profile federal case, you serve an arrest warrant because you've already built the case, knowing there's going to be a public spotlight, media attention on it, unquestionably, but any case involving Donald Trump. And then you serve the search warrant as kind of the icing on the cake. You don't serve the search warrant to grab the cake mix, to build the cake you don't even have. That was the tell to me, having been a federal agent, that they've got nothing. You went on a fishing expedition praying to get an arrest warrant later, doing the whole thing essentially backwards.
2: Dan, that is the best question you've asked me today. You're all your, because that is spot on. You're going to search a, a so called criminal or suspect home and leave him there? You're just going kind of right. to leave him there. It's a twofer. You arrest the guy, you grab <laughs> right. the documents, and you show the guy in an interrogation room you're a dead man. They got nothing. That is normal protocol. But, Dan, it goes back. What you're talking about is normal procedure where you have a criminal case. They don't have a criminal case here, Dan. It's a political case, and it's without yeah. any legal foundation. None. Yeah, I think –
1: I think it backfired tremendously. Poll numbers, you're totally. seeing it, in public support. I think this is going to turn out to be one of the biggest mistakes. And you know, in a country, Leo, that has had a hard time with a lot of the activities with the FBI, and I might add, again, you haven't been a man of the left all. You know this better than me. This is not unique to the right. The left has had a lot of problems with the intelligence community, some of the things the CIA may have been up to, uh, and a lot of the things that the uh, uh, the FBI was up to. And now, all of a sudden, uh, they, they're heroes to them. This is total nonsense. But, Leo, you've been generous with your time he has a great radio show on kbc please check it out we're on that station too it's one of our favorites out in los angeles leo thank you so much we always love having you the audience loves you so thanks a lot i love you truth teller thank you you're the best buddy thanks a lot leo terrell a good friend to the show and he's right that's it. I'm telling you, you serve in a case like this, you serve an arrest warrant, a search warrant at the same time, folks. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't have to happen that way. It doesn't happen every single time, but in a high profile case like this, you better make sure your eyes are dotted and those T's are crossed and none of this was happening. This was a, this was a search warrant investigating a person in search of a crime. That was Leo Terrell. Up next, we talk with the great one. Who's the great one? Of course, Mark Levin. Stay tuned for that, but let me get to our next sponsor first. Folks, you heard me talk about MyPillow for a while now, but did you know that they have a lot more than just pillows? There's no better time to check out MyPillow.com because Mike Lindell and MyPillow are having a BOGO extravaganza on several MyPillow items. It's time to join the millions of Americans who've changed the quality of their sleep with MyPillow. Right now, you can get this buy one, get one free pricing on beach towels, beach blankets, Giza elegance, MyPillow, six-piece towel sets, roll and go anywhere, MyPillow's, and so much more. Just go to the Radio Listener Special page at MyPillow.com and use promo code Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, or call 1-800-837-0459. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on select products. Call 1-800-837-0459 or go to the Radio Listener Special page at MyPillow.com and use promo code Bongino. Paul and I love their pillows, slippers, and towels for a long time. We know you'll love their products too. That's MyPillow.com, promo code Bongino. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers, in the are made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Here's Mark Levin, who gave some valuable insight into everything going on with the Trump raid and the Democrats' incredible attacks on his administration. We also get into some stuff that happened to me and Mark personally. You don't want to miss this interview. It's one of our best. And listen, make no mistake, you'd be hearing none of that in the Liners if it wasn't for our next guest. He is the, quite simply, the most talented radio show host out there, a mentor uh, to me, a guy whose show is a can't miss on television. His ratings are absolutely bananas on Sunday night. No one watches TV on Sunday night except for Mark Levin's show where everyone's watching it. The great one, and he earned that title, Mark Levin. Mark, welcome back to the show.
3: Dan, you are way too kind. How are you, brother?
1: No, no, I am not. You are. I would not be here without you. I am great. I am so deeply appreciative of your time. I know you're really busy. You've always got a lot going on. And my audience is ecstatic you're going to be here based on the feedback on social media. So I wanted to get right into it. Your show this week was incredible, Life, Liberty, and Event. The ratings were through the roof. They were almost weekday primetime numbers. I mean, that's how crazy it was. And I think it's because of the interest in this dreadful Mar-a-Lago raid, Mark. You worked in the Attorney General's office in an upper-level senior position. This seems to me like this is exactly what the founders were trying to get away from, general warrants and and, and tyrannical-type behavior.
3: You're 100% right. This is actually fairly straightforward. Um, Fourth Amendment is very clear. It requires particularity in terms of location and what it is you're looking for and who it is you're looking for and you've dealt with the fourth amendment as a former law enforcement official and uh, right. it's right there in the bill of rights we know the history that the crown used general warrants to uh try and roll up uh, a lot of the revolutionaries a general warrant means uh, you can really break into somebody's home and do whatever you want uh and so this really repulsed the colonists and it repulsed the uh the framers of the constitution and was originally in the Sixth Amendment that they proposed to the states, which cut two of them out and then added, and then had the Ten Amendments. This was number four, and it's very important. You know, it doesn't just apply to mass murders and terrorists. It applies to ex-presidents, too. And you can't roll into a master, a magistrate, or whatever they call them, which is shocking. They don't go to a real Article 3 life-appointed judge. You go in there with a search warrant, you say, well, we're concerned about the classified information and so forth. And then, and by the way, everything else that's there, we'd like to scoop that up too. that is clearly unconstitutional. And Dan, I am so damn sick of these former federal prosecutors who go on TV. Like they actually know something, no offense, they're a dime a dozen. They don't know a damn thing, including the fourth amendment. So I don't want to see everything through the eyes of prosecutors. I want to see things through the eyes of the framers of the constitution. This fourth amendment is not complicated and what they did at Mar-a-Lago is awful. And number two, they had their subpoena. The FBI was in there in June. I'm sure they were armed. Nobody was going to stop them. They, they had access to the house. They had access to the boxes. They had access to the documents. If you think there's something so secret there, then take them. You know, yeah. folks, folks, a subpoena is not to go in and do, you know, a, uh, a visual tour of uh, Mar-a-Lago. You have a subpoena <laughs> to go get something or to interview somebody. And they were in there. So what the hell did they do? And then they leave in the next few days, they call back. By the way, put another padlock on the door. And then the next thing we know, they get a search warrant? Are you kidding me? This whole thing is lousy.
1: Yeah, we're talking to Mark Levin, the great one. It's radio show, 6 to 9 Eastern, all across the country. TV show, Sunday nights, can't miss it, 8 o'clock. Life, Liberty, and Levin, it's a can't miss. Uh, Mark, you know, you you brought up the federal prosecutors. I I agree. I've... uh, Texted quite a few of them. I thought their their opinions were poppycock. And one of the things I like about you is you don't hold back. I or even people at the network we work in who I've had disagreements with on this issue who are defending the FBI here. Um, This is obscene that the FBI uh, interjected in this. This is clearly a scenario where the FBI director should have made crystal clear they're a law enforcement investigative entity. This is not a law enforcement matter. It's clearly a dispute involving the Presidential Records Act. There's no precedent for this. But Ray just doesn't have the guts, Mark. And apparently no one else in the upper management of the FBI has the guts to tell Ray to grow the guts to do the right thing instead of the easy thing.
3: Gray should be uh, working at the Department of Agriculture, sitting at a desk at the (laughs) GS-13 level. Nothing personal, but he's way out of his league. I don't even know why he was chosen. Look, did they issue a search warrant to go into Chappaqua and go after uh, Hillary Clinton's server and records? Of course not. Did they issue a search warrant to go into uh, James Comey's home? He took documents home, including classified information. Actually leaked some. And to go. of course not. So what makes this difference? What makes this different is it's Donald Trump. And they know they'll have the media behind them and the Democrat Party and the rhinos behind them. What they did here is grotesque. The Presidential Records Act is not a criminal statute. So they went looking for criminal statutes and they used the Espionage Act. You can't use the Espionage Act against a former president. When he left office, the second before he left office, I heard one of the former federal prosecutors say, the second after he left office, he was a private citizen. Okay, but the second before he left office, he was the president. And by his actions, if he took classified information, and this is something that's, creates a constitutional conundrum, and it's never been litigated, and you try to avoid those things, you know. uh, But the second before he was uh, a private citizen, he took documents with him, apparently, he probably didn't know much about them. And so we know we know from the past a president can, in fact, declassify documents by his actions. Just look at Article yeah. two, Section one, the first sentence. He doesn't have to fill out paperwork put out by a, a department or a subordinate that's not even in the Constitution. He's the commander in chief. He is the executive. You can't charge him when he's president for this. So by action, he takes these documents. And I would remind everybody, the archives has millions and millions of pages of the Trump administration documents. They make it sell oh, he's got 27 boxes. Right, 27 right. boxes of what? You know, it right. could be anything. That,
1: no, Mark, that's such a good point. We're talking to Mark Levin. Uh, Mark. That is an excellent point. I was trying to make this, uh, you give an analogous kind of story to a friend of mine the other day where I was saying how the presidential advance I did for Obama when he went to Indonesia, we generated probably 50 boxes of paperwork on that trip alone. The burn bags alone were probably about 1,000 pounds of paper. I'm not sure people who haven't worked in the government like you and I understand The volume of material generated by something as simple as a presidential trip. And keep in mind, that was just the Secret Service paperwork. Not the military, Mm -hmm. not the staff. It's an obscene comment, 27 boxes. It's just meant to aggravate. But I wanted to hit on this because you and I have been victims of this in the past. So me and you have, have consistently vigorously robustly called for people don't get baited into this violence stuff i mean it's just just go listen to it and yet every time we do it and we cite concrete examples of government abuse and calls for violence on the left people like davy alba and others at the new york times accuse us of inciting a coup and inciting a riot i don't know about you mark but that really pisses me off like nothing else
3: Well, let's consider this source. You know, the New York Times uh, supported Stalin. The New York Times was supportive of the Third Reich. This is a fact. Uh, Their correspondent in Berlin was very sympathetic to Hitler. The New York Times supported Castro. So three strikes and you're out. And moreover, the New York Times has a habit of hiring freelancers who have uh, who have this love affair with Adolf Hitler uh the new york times has a lot of cleaning up to do it is a lousy corrupt corporation that's what it is and it hires lousy low iq ideologues like this alba guy and he's not alone you have to have a low iq and be evil and nasty to work for the new york times like maggot haberman and the rest of them and this is why they endorse democrats all the time they never endorse republicans for president they're not going after Biden, the Biden crime family. They're not even thinking about looking in the corruption, all the money that went into uh, the Biden family from China and Russia and Ukraine. I mean, last time I checked, Dane, isn't Biden the president? What do they keep chasing Trump <laughs> for uh, But But that's what's going on. The New York Times is utterly and completely corrupt. There's been many books written on their history. And so, of course, they're going to try and stigmatize and characterize you and me. But that's why I just don't care. You know, who reads the damn New York Times? That's really true. nobody that I care about, to be honest with yeah.
1: you. And you be, you know what it is? You've been in this business so long. Your, your skin has probably grown thick to being called all these ridiculous, absurd things. But, you know, I'm new to that. I'm only here because of you and Sean and people who help me. if that's a fact. And it's just, I, I really mean it, Mark. I mean, you've known me as a friend, not just another radio guy. I sincerely right. mean it for all the... You know, bluster and stuff, and you know, I yell a lot on the radio. I know you've never done that at all, but I've <laughs> I yell it on the <laughs> but I mean it. Like I, I sincerely mean it from the bottom of my heart. Like once we cross that violence red line, and we try to enact political change by guns and not by votes, there's no turning back. I don't say that to my audience as some kind of silly virtue signaling. I'm I, I'm I'm not. I really mean it. And the fact that they turn around and weaponize that against us when we're sincerely trying to get this country to a place where we can have vigorous political debate without the threat of guns coming out like these Antifa and BLM goons, I just find it personally offensive.
3: And you should, because you and I believe in the civil society, and we emphasize the word civil, and we embrace uh, scholars and philosophers and individuals in history who support that, who support a... a, uh, an approach to humanism that doesn't involve iron-fisted, centralized, top-down authoritarianism. And that's how you have a peaceful society. We support federalism. We support diversity. We support mobilism. We support all these things that lead to a civil, peaceful, happy society. And there it is. In the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution is set up in a way to make sure that people have differences. It means one person cannot control another. The problem with the Marxist left and the Democrat Party, one and the same, they insist that we accept their beliefs as the truth. So a woman's not a woman. A man's not a man. uh, You got to use pronoun and you better do it. You and I, we don't and the people listening, we don't conduct ourselves this way. We don't try to impose our will. Yes, we believe strongly in morality and faith and family and country and our founding documents and our history, because these are good things that lead to a prosperous, peaceful, participatory society. But they don't. The centralization, bureaucracy, the militarization of federal law enforcement, the the obliteration of local law enforcement, the obliteration of sovereignty at the border. Everything they do is intended to bring down the institutions and bring down the structure. You and I and the people in the audience, we are arguing to defend the greatest nation on the face of the earth, not to destroy it.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true, Mark. And again, that's why it just you just said it so well. Very eloquent. It's why it's like a ticket burrows under my skin. It drives me crazy. Mark Levin, his show is Life, Liberty and Levin. Folks, um, if you're missing out on it, it's a shame. It is the best show on the weekend on Fox News. Wow, well, well, uh, it on, does Dan, not, your
3: show, is, your show nah, is great, too. I don't to know. We're not this.
1: doing that here. No, because we're not lying. It I don't is. lie to my audience, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not starting today. Oh Well, thank you. I agree. But it is, uh, yeah, Mark, I mean it. You have been a mentor to me. I know you're very busy, folks. Set your DVR Sunday night. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Life, Liberty, and Levin. The ratings this weekend, you can look them up. It's all on social media. We're insane because no one breaks this down better than you. Mark, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're a good man.
3: You know, Dan, great patriot, man. I love you. God bless, buddy. Thank you, sir. Love you too, pal.
1: Take care. Man, I get all choked up with Mark, Jim, because Mark, uh, you know, there's a lot of things I don't talk about on the radio, folks, but I assure you, I assure you, it is a fact. It is not my opinion that this show and Jim and Mike know it too would not exist without Mark Levin. That is a promise for a number of reasons. He has been unbelievably generous to me throughout the course of my entire career with both his time and his advice. And nobody knows this business better than he does. Nobody. He knows the names of just about every program director in the country. You know why? Because he cares about his craft. He cares about this and he cares about this radio business. And uh, that's important to me. He's been a good friend. That was the great Mark Levin. Up next is Congressman Chip Roy. We'll get to that in a second. First, let me tell you about our next sponsor. Papa Carmine's Hot Peppers. It's a fiery mix of serrano, jalapeno, and red bell peppers, vegetables, and olives submerged in oil with just the right amount of seasoning. Papa Carmine's Hot Peppers adds instant heat, crunch, and flavor to all types of food, including sandwiches, Italian beef, hot dogs, hamburgers, salads, pasta, tacos, chicken, steak, pizza, eggs, just about anything else. You can scoop it on or simply drizzle the infused oil on your favorite foods. Papa Carmine's Hot Peppers has just the right heat. Not too hot or too mild, and the delicious flavor lingers in your mouth long after you're done. Once you try Papa Carmine's Hot Peppers, you'll never buy a plain old jar of jalapenos again. Papa Carmine's is more than just hot peppers. It's a lifestyle. It's a must for all hot pepper lovers, and proudly made in the U.S.A. Order online today at papacarmines.com. Use promo code Bongino and save 10% off your first order. That's papacarmines.com, P-A-P-A-C-A-R-M-I-N-E-S, papacarmines.com. Promo code Bongino and save 10% off your first order. Once you try Papa Carmines, you'll be a customer for life.
3: Here's
1: Chip Roy. He talked about how the federal government, he's a good guy, by the way. He talked about how the federal government under the Biden administration is being used to target political enemies. He was hot in this interview. He talked about the student loan uh, handout and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. I called it again. Listen, this Stygian Witch's ability of this show. Give me the eye. It is just, uh, I hate no self-praise, thanks, but you're not wasting your time here. What did I tell you about the whole nuclear thing? That Remember the nuclear story? Trump had a nuclear weapon in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. He was getting ready to detonate. Remember that? You didn't hear a lot about that? Yeah, yeah, I, I, was, I was right about that. It appears it was a letter he wrote to Kim Jong-un about, like, nuclear negotiations. Like, hey, you know this nuclear thing? we have now, <laughs> That's why you haven't heard anything about it. As I says. All right, let me get to my guest. Uh, one of our favorite guests. We have a no-squish rule on the show, and uh, Chip Roy is certainly not one of them. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy, thanks for joining us
0: good to be on i hope you are healthy and well and just appreciate everything you are doing for this country thank you sir well
1: thank you sir yeah man you as well uh you know you were a tea party guy before the tea party was even a thing i mean literally you were you were one of these guys with ted cruz and others who started this whole thing and one of our uh you know one of the things we had was he Adsden flag, flagged don't tread on me and I don't know, Congressman, I feel like we're getting tread on a lot lately. I mean, this raid in Mar-a-Lago, now that we've seen at least the unredacted, and granted, point stipulated, we have not seen the redactions, you or I, I assume, um, but we we can read what's in it, and supposedly what's underneath it is just sources and methods, what we haven't seen. What's just been released is, 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 is to call it an embarrassment, this is a tread on me moment. It looks like a general warrant over a paperwork dispute. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know what you've seen or haven't, it just came out, but am I missing something here?
0: Yeah, I haven't been able to study the specifics because I've been doing some other stuff today. But, I mean, look, I've known and we've seen the concerns about this being a general warrant from the very beginning. And, look, you're right about the the point about the Tea Party and being a part of this early on. The first chapter of a book I wrote with Governor Perry or helped him write uh, was called America's Great, Washington is Broken. We wrote that 12 years ago uh, because America is great, but Washington is trampling on us. That's the whole point of Don't Tread on Me. And, look, the reality is right now, We've got to look beyond where we are in these election cycles to lead this country forward. You know, this country turns 250 years old in July of 2026. Now, are we going to pass down a free country to our kids and grandkids? That's what should drive us. Back to your point, the long train of abuses that the founders laid out in the Declaration, in my opinion, pale in comparison to the long train of abuses that are mounting up against the American people every day. The hardworking American getting screwed by paying off student loans to somebody else. The individual who is getting screwed because the FBI is targeting them. I met with Scott Smith. You remember Scott, don't you? The, the, the father in Loudoun County, Virginia, whose daughter was. Oh, yeah. You know, a, yeah, 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 yeah. I know the story. So Scott is a good friend now. I've come to know him since all of that story broke a year ago. He was in Austin, Texas. We had lunch the other day. That is an American who was being targeted by the FBI, made the poster child for making uh, threat attacks, threat tags for domestic terrorism because a parent dares to go to the school board and say, wait a second, my daughter shouldn't be raped in the bathroom. Now you've got a former president of the United States being targeted by the FBI. Now you have Zuckerberg actually admitting that the FBI, I think unconstitutionally, abusing the First Amendment, told Facebook, hey, you need to stop uh, putting any of this stuff out about a Hunter's laptop. Like, we have an assault on the very well-being and freedoms of the American people, and it is time for Republicans to find their dang balls and get up and fight. <laughs> it's over. It's game well... time.
1: One of the reasons we, we, we constantly, Jim's laughing, because we just love having you in the show, we request your presence on the show is because um, you don't show any kind of fealty to you know fake Republicans up on the Hill. You'll go after a fake Republican as you know easily as you'll go after a Democrat. And I, I really sincerely think we need more of that and we're never going to clean our own party up. And I mean, what you just said is accurate to I me. Mean, what more evidence do we need of FBI malfeasance? You know, Congressman, what are the hallmarks of totalitarian authoritarian regimes throughout human history, the the evidence uh, history books are clear, is they target people in search of crimes. That's not what we do in a representative democracy. We investigate a crime and then go look for the people. That is so clearly what's happening right now with President Trump. Just one more thing, I don't want a long-winded question, but I'm not telling you Manafort and these people around them are all saints. I'm not a saint. Gosh, I probably ripped the mattress tag off. You get the point. What I'm telling you is these people were clearly targeted along with the president because they're threatened by President Trump and this entire movement. There's no doubt about that.
0: No, there's no question about it. Right. And it's the FBI for the examples we just discussed. It's a DHS that is going after Border Patrol agents for doing their job at the border and then lying about it. And now it's an internal revenue service with $80 billion being put in place to go after you, all of you listeners out there. Those are agents put in place to go after you, not for revenue, although they'll squeeze some revenue out of it. That's what this is about. It's about power. Republicans have got to lay out an agenda. They didn't, you know, I hear all this stuff about pocketbook issues and all that. Yeah, I get it. We want inflation to go away. But if you want inflation to go away, then we need to get back to freedom. And this government is assaulting your freedom. There is a culture war going on. And I'm not talking about your typical social issues. I'm talking about the attack on the American way of life, the attack on American exceptionalism, the attack on your freedoms. In the first hundred days of Congress, a Republican Congress should pass a 10-year balanced budget, restrict spending to stop funding these authoritarian bureaucrats, and we should pass. We should refuse to fund government, refuse to fund it, if we do not take operational control of our border, if we do not cut the authoritative state focusing on the FBI and the IRS, and if we do not stop the assault on American energy that's driving up oil and gas and funding our enemies. And we should end vaccine mandate then republicans can't pledge to do that then screw them they're not actually fighting for you
1: (laughs) man if we only had about a hundred more like you it would be able to pull the entire caucus over we just don't i know there are a lot of good people you're not the only one but you're one of them but we just don't have enough Uh, let me move on to a couple different topics while i got you uh you were as annoyed uh producer jim was following your social media feed on twitter before we came on and And coincidentally, I was talking about when I opened up the show, the disgusting tweets coming out of the White House attacking Republican members of Congress who are legitimate business owners who were shut down by the government's unconstitutional lockdowns, who then were the recipients of PPP, which, by the way, was bipartisan because the government shut their businesses down. They wanted to keep their people employed. They're attacking your colleagues for this program and conflating it with their lack of support for this unconstitutional student loan bailout. I cannot think of a more cynical, disgusting thing. You were unloading on these idiots for this board. that. this is really a new low for this disaster in the White House.
0: You, you can't even put it into words. For the listeners out there, a little, you know, stroll down memory lane. Leftists came forward with this massive CARES Act, which then funded people not to work. Republicans said they would fight it, and then, you, as they usually do, they crawl up into the corner whining and simpering that they couldn't fight to stop the plus-up in, in uh, unemployment spending that has caused our economy to get absolutely wrecked while we shut down and then pay people not to work in the process. They passed the PPP. It was imperfect. It was a mess. But I'll tell you what, in the face of a government using the power of government to shut down small businesses, it was at least something to try to keep some of these people afloat. So some people take advantage of something that was voted on by Congress in order to keep their business afloat while a bunch of crybaby ninnies shut your government down and shut the (laughs) biggest economy down in the history of the world. And then these leftists come up. And they say, oh, oh, this is hypocritical. You took out a loan, a loan that Congress voted on and that they knew uh, what the deal was with taking the loan out to get it paid back beforehand. Instead, you got a bunch of Ivy League leftists who got a sociology or a gender studies degree sitting in their parents' basement. They can't get a job. And now they need to have their loan, quote, paid off on the back of a plumber who started a business or a responsible student who actually paid his or her loan off. I am so sick of this garbage, and so are the American people. But that doesn't do enough. We have got to get a Republican Party who will stand up and do what they said they would do, and stop this, and fight it, and care more about freedom than their damn job. They gotta go fight.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean the Founding Fathers never envisioned it being this way. They envisioned dignified people who go up to the hill and jealously guard their power in a checks and balances system. Uh, not delegated to Biden. I mean, how Democrat members of Congress aren't in a full revolt over Biden taking the power of the purse literally. I mean, he's just spending money can't. It's absurd. Let me ask you a couple other questions. You're you're up there on the Hill, and you know you're one of the members up there. Who I, I feel has a genuinely good uh, fingertip on the pulse of what Republicans are thinking. This 2022 election cycle, there've been predictions of a huge tidal wave. I, I have to tell you, being candid with you, I, I'm not as optimistic anymore. Um, I'm not. I think we're going to do okay. I hope we do okay. I've been encouraging my begging my listeners to please get out and vote. But I think telling people it's going to be a tide wave is not doing us a public service anymore. Because some people may think, oh, well, I don't need to vote then. We did not have a great result in New York 19. That Molinaro race, which was a special election for Congress. We should have won that seat. And we didn't. I, I mean, I, I'm not as optimistic, and, and I think we're not doing any favors by telling people it's going to be some landslide. We, you know, sometimes fear can be a powerful motivator. You better get out and vote, and we may not—we may lose.
0: There's no question on that last point. Okay. Every listener out there, if you don't show up, if you don't knock doors, if you don't talk to your friends around the dinner table or in your church groups or in your, you know, local organizations, if you don't talk to everybody you know to get out and vote, we may not take the house back. And then you've got two more years of this garbage. But I'll tell you this. I didn't think three months ago that we should all be talking about a big tidal wave, nor do I think right now, oh, my God, the sky is falling. I believe in the long-haul nature of a campaign and that there's time and we got to drive out voters. But I'll tell you this, you don't win based on the fact that you're counting on voters to be mad at the other guy. You win by going on offense. And unfortunately, Republican leadership is not doing that. A lot of my Freedom Caucus colleagues are. I'm trying to put stuff out there. But you need leadership to galvanize that, get everybody behind it, and have – 200 of us standing on the steps of the Capitol making a solemn promise that we're going to take this damn country back. We're going to do it for all of the founders. We're going to do it for our granddads who stormed Normandy. We're going to do it for the cops that are out there on the beat getting persecuted. We're going to do it for the kids who did it all right and are getting screwed while we pay off the loans of a bunch of Ivy League leftists. We're going to do it for the uh, men and women in uniform who are getting fired because they refused to take a jab. We're going to go fight the authoritarian state. We're going to stop spending money we don't have. We're going to secure the border, and we're not going to turn this country over leftists I want leadership to stand on the steps of the Capitol and say that but I can promise you I'm gonna keep saying it
1: yeah I know you will and I really wish uh, others would you know for love him or hate him, man, Gingrich had the right idea with the Republican Revolution uh, you go out there and put a contract on paper whether they followed through or not they you know what that's a different story for another day but I agree you got to produce something positive last question I'll let you go we're talking to Congressman Chip Roy one of the good guys Uh, Congressman, the, the student loan program is an abomination to humankind. It is the single most grotesque act of the Biden administration. So, well, outside of Afghanistan, that was deadly. But this is really horrible. Um, that we have a student loan repayment program. It's called Get Your Freaking Ass a Job and Go to Work. We have that now. How we're explaining to truckers and oil field workers in your great state of Texas that they're busting their asses right now to pay off Lawrence Tribe students in Harvard graduate degrees in law um, is really a stunning act of F you to America like I've never seen before. And I'm assuming your Freedom Caucus colleagues feel the same way.
0: Well, look, uh, you just said it. I don't know how to say it any differently. I'm getting a lot of outrage among the constituents that I represent. I'm seeing it all across the country. Uh, I just hope people channel that outrage into taking their country back. Uh, it is completely wrong. Uh, I was talking to a guy ye- uh, just the other day, day, before yesterday. He started a business. He's a plumber. His brother went to college. Why would we say that we're going to give money to the second person and, and leave the first person uh, you know, stranded or the kid who went to college and did it the right way or my staffer who chose to go to a more affordable college than the one she would have preferred who worked her way through college to minimize debt, took out a few loans and paid them off quickly, figured not taking trips, not spending money, and now she's paid off her loans. And now the idiot down the street who went off to Europe, <laughs> went to an expensive college, and right. paid off, and, and now is getting $10,000. bucks. is bull crap, and the American people yeah. know it
1: yes it is Uh, congressman i i gotta run uh thanks for fighting a good fight you're always welcome on the show thanks for your time
0: hey god bless you keep it up and thanks for everything you do
1: thank you sir congressman chip roy one of our favorites you can see why by the way me and him both dealt with the same health crisis and me and him both got the same medical advice keep i'm not kidding it's not a joke keep your stress level low at least information inflammation (laughs) jim's like you jim's i haven't even said the punchline Yes, I, I, we both have clearly ignored our doctor's <laughs> advice. I'll be right back. That was Chip Roy. Up next is Jared Kushner talking about his new book, Breaking History. He has a couple interesting takes here, even though we had some disagreements about some stuff. But let me tell you about our final sponsor first. Legacy Box. Legacy Box makes reclaiming your glory days as easy as one, two, three. Send in your Legacy Box filled with aging VHS tapes camcorder tapes, eight millimeter film and pictures and their team will professionally digitize everything by hand at their 110,000 square foot production campus right here in the USA. You get everything back in a thumb drive, a DVD or the cloud. There's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. Paul and I sent a box of old family photos and the results were amazing. We love reliving these memories. Our kids love it too. They like watching the wedding video. They get a kick out of it. Your memories are meant to be relived, not chewed up by the VCR, worn away with time or melting in an attic in Florida. Not like I know anything about that. Convert your tapes to digital so you can take them anywhere safely. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. At this special price, there's never been a better time to convert your entire collection. Visit LegacyBox.com slash Bongino to shop their $9 tape sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash Bongino to unlock this offer. Here's Jared Kushner. We talk about some of the incredible accomplishments of the Trump administration the Middle East peace deal, and we address my disagreement with him over criminal justice reform, but we had an interesting conversation about his book, Breaking History. All right, you know, I I always like behind-the-scenes accounts and not just of high-profile things like the operations of the White House, but anything. I mean, I I remember when I wrote a book early on, The Life Inside the Bubble, one of the books that was doing really well on the charts was written by flight attendant and it was the behind the scenes of what international flights or something like people just like to see behind the scenes there's no better book out than uh breaking history about that and it's written by uh, a friend of mine who is on the show right now welcome to the show jared Kushner. jared thanks for joining us thank you dad it's great to be with you so congrats on the book it's been a tremendous success despite liberal efforts to uh destroy you with all kinds of personal insults people seem to be really interested in your take now you were there for all the big moments i want to go through uh, many of them which you describe in the book but the obvious one i think you had your your um uh, uh your, your your brain your arms and legs and limbs in the most was the middle east peace deals you know we had been told forever jared that this was impossible by people who had allegedly tried it that it wasn't going to happen and yet it did happen and it happened with multiple countries walk us through what the book says about that and and, and the genesis of that whole thing
4: So, uh, first of all, great great to be with you. Uh, I read a lot in the book about the Abraham Accords. Obviously, when I was in the White House, my job was mostly behind the scenes. And, you know, President Trump tapped me to go figure out something in the Middle East. Maybe you thought it couldn't get any worse than it was at the time. If you remember, ISIS was running rampant. Uh, They'd just given $150 billion to Iran and a nuclear glide path. And, you know, President Trump basically told me to go speak to all the leaders, try to come up with a fresh approach. President Trump was an outsider, uh, businessman, results-oriented. I was also from the private sector. And he said, this thing shouldn't be broken forever. We have to find a way to get people together, uh, we believed that, that peace was really about helping people find a way to come together and, and to have a better future, and so ultimately we were able to uh, create the Abraham Accords, which got Israel and the United Arab Emirates and then Bahrain and Sudan and and, and Kosovo and morocco to make a peace agreement which is now allowing for jews and muslims in the middle east uh... to do business together to to fly from country to country to get to know each other uh... which hopefully will reduce a lot of the need for americans to send their 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 sons and daughters over there in wars and it's bringing you know peace in the middle east that that nobody thought was ever possible and again it took an outsider like president trump uh to make that happen and in my book i really again it's not a simple explanation because was a very very complicated deal but i tried to really explain to people all the different things we tried to get there that ultimately led to its success
1: we're talking to jared kushner author of the new book big success breaking history jared one, one more question on this before we move on to some other stuff the book covers but uh Do you you find that this deal, the importance of this deal, because it was by many, of course, on the left, it was downplayed. Oh, look, they're smaller countries, whatever. But that's not the point. The point here is we were told forever that any peace deal told by John Kerry, who's literally on tape on video saying it, uh, forget it, not possible, that it provided a template and kind of a signal to other larger, more influential, uh, primarily Arabic countries to say, Hey, we can do this too. Look, it happened there. They, you know, the, the point is not to go and you know if you're going to eat an elephant, how do you eat it, right? Not all, one bite at a time. I mean, it provided that template for the future for other administrations if they wanted it. Is my analysis off on that?
4: No, it's, it's actually spot on. And again, you know, you're you, one of the reasons I think your viewers love listening to you is because you bring the common sense approach. President Trump brought common sense and pragmatism. And if you think about the last six months of his administration, he had six peace deals in the Middle East. And so now with countries like Saudi Arabia, it's a matter of of of, of when and not if they're going to do it. And uh, unfortunately, this administration, which has just been a disaster with their foreign policy, uh, has, has, has not picked up the approach that President Trump took. I mean, they, they, they squandered the, the opportunity with Saudi Arabia. Hopefully they can get it back. But by running to Iran, they're just making it less likely they'll get peace deals done than, than not. But again, I'm hopeful that that common sense will prevail and they'll come back and try to pick up the policies that President Trump started in the Middle East.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, too. It just seems like we're going in the opposite direction now, especially with the Iran deal. We're talking to Jared Kushner, author of the new book, a bestseller. It's called Breaking History. Breaking History. Go check that out. Jared, you must have been frustrated at times in the White House dealing with just the, I mean, the media coverage. We can all agree the media doesn't like Republicans. Okay, we get that. Um, but I, I was, well, you know, worked in the Bush administration. I remember the Cindy Sheehan's and the Code Pinker's and, you know, they call Bush a liar. And a murderer and all that stuff. That was pretty just much standard for the course, but it was different with President Trump. I think we can all agree with that. It was just geometrically worse with him. You're dealing with the Mueller probe, this litany of lies, just leaks. Um, that how to make it really tough inside the White House to, you know, every day to try to get things done when you're spending 25, 30% of your time answering media nonsense.
4: So that's actually the great tension of the book, is that you have, on the one hand, you're being constantly attacked by the investigations, the false narratives, the impeachments, but then at the end of the day, facts do matter, and President Trump got a ton of things done. So the question is, how did he get done the trade deals, the peace deals, the economy was rocking, uh, you know, inflation was low, wages were rising, unemployment was at a 50-year low, gas prices were low. So how did President Trump get all of that done in a historically uh, complicated environment? And, you know, The thing that actually I write a lot about in the book is is the Russia investigation and what it was like to be accused of treason with Russia and having to do the testimony Mm -hmm. with the special counsel. And I will say at the time, uh, Dennis, that there were very few people who were willing to go out publicly and say that the media was full of crap and that they were wrong. This (laughs) made no sense. And you were one of them. And and again, my uh, eternal gratitude for you for for being one of the uh, people out there saying that, because I was being accused and saying the whole media, all these establishments that I thought were real, like CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post and MSNBC, every night or i turn them on or every day I'd pick them up and I would see that they were saying that the noose is closing, we're closer to proving that there was collusion between Trump and the Russians and Jared was involved. And I knew it was crazy, but there were very few people willing to stand up and say that and, you know, again, we got a lot done, but we had to endure these onslaughts and we had to prove these things wrong, which was a, a very, very complicated thing to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the idea of justice was inverted on its head. You guys were guilty until you proved you're innocent. And it's almost impossible to prove a counterfactual, Jared. I mean, you're, you, you know, I, I always use this example whenever I'm on TV on Fox about how ridiculous what you all had to deal with in the White House was. You have Hillary Clinton on one hand her and her team dealing with a known foreign intelligence agent, Christopher Steele, who claims to be getting information from Russia. I mean, that literally happened. And then you have Don Jr. and Eric involved in a real estate empire, as you they do real estate, Jared. You know, And they're like, hey, they were gonna build a building in Moscow. Uh, okay, is it illegal? No, and they're in the real estate business. Yeah, well, so let me get this straight, that's colluding with Russia. But at, well, by the way, a building that was never built But actually colluding with a guy claiming he's getting information from Russia, that's not collusion. I mean, that's got to make you want to pull your hair out at times.
4: Yeah. Well, I, it was just absolutely crazy. But, you know, what, what, what the reason why I did this book is I wanted people to understand what it was like to be in that White House during that time, because, you know, people obsessed about the Trump administration. Everyone's got an opinion, positive or negative. But I want people to understand what was actually happening there. And, and you think about overcoming these investigations. You know, we had to learn to compartmentalize it because we could have spent all of our time focusing on them. But instead, we said, you know, President Trump, I give him a lot of credit for saying, OK, we can deal with this. But we have to figure out how to get things done, keep our promises to the American people. And he really did do that. So that's really what I tried to describe. And again, the, 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 the first, you know, kind of quarter of the book is really about the first year and, and obviously the investigations and all the things we were accused of. But we learned a lot by going through that. And I think that that made us better and got us to be more effective as, as we went forward.
1: We're talking to Jared Kushner, author of the bestseller, new book out, Breaking History. Check it out. He was inside the White House. You want a behind-the-scenes take? Everybody loves that. Check out the book. Jared, it's a bit of a fluffy question, forgive me, but it's just a personal one for me because I remember being a young agent and, you know, you're in the Secret Service. Very few guys, as you know, are on the president's detail. Most guys are actually out in the field investigating counterfeit and things like that. And the first time i went to the white house and was shown around as an agent and you're actually there you're in the diplomatic reception room the east room you know you're upstairs near the residence there's just this overwhelming feeling of my gosh you're surrounded by not just history but the most profound moments in history i mean it's one thing to stand at the corner of wall and broad and be like gosh all the financial deals that went down here right it's a whole other thing to sit inside the east room and be like my gosh some of the biggest most important speeches in american history Were given right here. When you guys went in the White House, you uh, and Ivanka and the family for the first time, and it's uh, you know he's sworn in, he's the president of the United States. Did did that kind of cloud of history encompass you? Like, my gosh, this is special, like really special.
4: So there was a couple of seconds of that, because obviously it's, it's this building you, you hear about, it, it's got all the awe of it, and it really is a spectacular place. And I, I tried to really, in the book, bring people into the different rooms and share what it was like to be there, what, how it smells, how it feels. Um, but the thing that we had when we got there was we realized, okay, now we have to run a government and you're playing with live ammo and you, know, you don't want to be attacked yeah. by another country and, and you just got to get to work. And you know one thing with Trump, again, is he, he, he wasn't there on a vacation. He was there to get things done. And so he increased the metabolism of government. He was a very, very demanding boss and he wanted us to just get to work right away. So again, it took us a while to figure out how the place worked. Again, Trump uh, would joke that the first night he ever slept in Washington was actually in the White House, right? He was never a governor or mayor or senator and so a lot of it for us was figuring out how to work the levers of power and how to find the right people to hope to help to ultimately implement his his vision so but it it was an amazing place and I think for our children to be able to get to see the White House and have experiences like the fireworks on the 4th of July and every time that they would come to visit mom and dad at work they'd get to run into the Oval Office and get uh, you know grandpa always had uh, had had Hershey kisses for them that he would give so you know there, there was a lot of very sentimental moments there as well and it really is a spectacular place and I I would be remiss if I didn't mention you mentioned the Secret Service agents they were some of the most unbelievable people to work with incredible uh, dedicated public servants that do a lot of work behind the scenes that they don't get enough credit for
1: Uh, and and believe me they they appreciated you and the family I can tell you that from firsthand experience Jared one my only beef with the administration I've said this to President Trump and one thing I disagreed with and and I've always appreciated by the way the perception of President Trump is he demands no, fealty and loyalty or you are banished from the kingdom that one that's crap that's just stupid nonsense anyone who knows him knows he's like the most forgiving guy ever I mean seriously he is he'll he'll forgive anyone he just is that type, that type of guy I uh I wasn't a big fan of criminal justice reform I said it on my show you were you and the president you got it through you pushed it through um, I know you talk about it in the book. The book is breaking history, but I want to give you an opportunity to make your case behind the scenes. Why, why was this so important and something you and the president focused on?
4: So, so for me, it was a very personal thing that I'd lived through. I write in the book about how uh, my father was arrested, he went to prison, and through that experience, it opened my eyes to meeting people who, uh, who I hadn't met before. I felt like our criminal justice system, you know, when you have uh, prosecutors who are, have unlimited power and unlimited resources and are politically motivated, I, I don't think that justice is always applied equally. Again, I think we still have the best system in the world, but it's, it's not always fair and then when you think about our prisons, our country has 4% of the world's population and 25% of the prison population. And when you look at who's committing crimes in our communities, most of these are people who have been in prison before. So the criminal justice reform actually started uh, under Governor Rick Perry in Texas as a conservative policy where he basically said, we know where a lot of our future criminals are coming from. They're in our custody now in prison. So we have a choice, right? We can either you know, let them go back and so then they have a criminal record. Often they have substance abuse issues or, uh, or or, uh, or mental health issues or we can try to incentivize them while they're in prison to get job training skills and deal with whatever issues they have and so these issues were, were proven in the states over time, uh, uh, Governor Perry in Texas Governor Deal in Georgia, Governor Brownback in Kansas all implemented it and what it ended up doing was, was two things, number one is it led to less people in prison uh, because it so it saved a lot of money but more importantly it led to reductions in crime and what, what appealed to President Trump again because he was uh, he didn't know much about it at first but I, I take people inside the debate about it because again, he had people against it, and he gave everyone uh, audiences to go through it. Was somebody said right. to him, "Look, you you campaigned that you were going to fight for the forgotten men and women of this country, and nobody's more forgotten or underrepresented than the people in prison." And uh, he he believed that people shouldn't be judged by the worst mistake they make. And a, a lot of the instances of people who's given second chances to, they've gone on to live productive lives. And, and that's just, uh, I think, a very, very uh, nice thing. So uh, I, I think it's done well. Now, now, the one thing I will say, the critics of it call it things that it's not, right? You know, insulting police officers, it's not about that. All the police groups like the FOP, the IACP, they all supported this bill. Uh, and then in addition to that, it's not the bail reform that's happened in a lot of these communities right. that, that, that has led to upticks in crime. So it, it, was a very, right. uh, it was a very targeted policy that was supported by law yeah. enforcement that's led to a reduction in crime.
1: Jared I appreciate uh, sincerely you defend in your position I want to get a plug in for the book again the book is called breaking history It's a bestseller people seem to really really enjoy it Jared thanks a lot for coming on been a good friend really appreciate it best of luck with the book
4: thank you Dan it's really great to be with you and thank you for everything you do and everything you fight for
1: thanks my friend take care Jared cushion folks the book is called breaking history uh, check it out I ran way over we got to take a break we'll be right back That was Jared Kushner. Thanks for listening to this special weekend podcast we put together for you. We always appreciate it. Again, if you want to listen to my radio show live, 12 to 3 Eastern time, live every day, go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder, and find out where I'm on near you. And we always appreciate you subscribing to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, subscribe there, and on rumble.com slash Bongino. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you all next week. You just heard Dan Bongino.